0: Hello. Welcome to Sobertown. Welcome to the Sobertown podcast. Let's jump on that sober train and ride right into the incredible, wonderful world of sobriety. And in these podcasts, we're talking about addiction and recovery. And this afternoon, we have a special guest, the one and only Polly. Hello, Polly. Good afternoon. It is afternoon, isn't it? Yes, it is, actually, and it's a beautiful afternoon. Blue skies. I'm excited about this, Polly, because uh, we get to hear, hear more about you. hmm You're the incredible, <laughs> wonderful Polly. Polly the pirate. And you have a lot of... You, I know you're right. Let me see your eye. Oh, my gosh. Yes. She got a shot, shot in the eye, folks. Yeah, boom. So... We're going to hear your story today, this evening. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I guess, why don't you just start off by giving us some background.
1: Um, pretty ancient. I was actually a pretty late bloomer to drinking, and um, I wasn't, I would have a glass of wine at Christmas. Um, when I was offered a glass of sherry, I would take it, but I hated the goddamn stuff. I couldn't even stand the smell of the stuff people say would you like a glass of sherry no yeah okay so i wasn't really a lover of alcohol when i was younger um i grew up around it mostly because my father was in the service and a lot of service personnel are heavy drinkers um and i remember one time he was drinking at home with a friend. And he was smoked in those days and the house caught fire because he he dropped a cigarette when he was drunk and it went down the side of the chair. So the house caught fire and we were all in bed and we all had to be rescued. So, yeah, (laughs) that was one incident of alcohol. Um, But no, I never had a liking for alcohol, truly. Um, I couldn't drink beer because I just, the, the thought of beer just makes me cringe. And... I got married very young. I was 17 when I got married and it was just ordinary, hardworking people. And it was a typical working class house. Um, My husband used to go to the pub on a Friday. I'd stay home with the kids. He'd go to football and stuff like that at the weekend and I'd stay home with the kids. And then he was asleep on the sofa. But that was that was my life. And I didn't really question it. Eventually, you grow up, and you, there's a lot of stuff you don't accept. So then you change your lifestyle. But my drinking actually took off. My
0: kids were already grown up, and my drinking actually took so off. So you did your whole—I mean, all your kids—you raised them, um, but you're still married to your first husband, right? Yes. Right now. Yeah. Um, so you were just—you're just a normal you're a normie (laughs) that's it I'm a normie our Polly was a normie
1: I was just ordinary everyday mom you know I mean take the kids to school go and do the grocery shopping let the old man go out on a Friday night you know shove him in bed when he got home take his shoes off and his socks off and all that kind of thing make sure he was comfortable make sure he didn't discover the wardrobe for a pee like some guys do when they've had a, a big skin full. <laughs> this sounds dreadful, doesn't it? But no, it was it was no different to a lot of houses. That was that was just the way it was. Um, like I say, and when my dad came out of the service before I got married, when my dad came out of the service, my mom used to. Um, she was a barmaid while he was in the service. When we came back from overseas. And then she used to work in working men's clubs. So I was around, like I say, I was around alcohol a lot, but it never had any effect on me. Didn't, didn't influence me, didn't, didn't bother me at all. We used to have barbecues um, when the kids were older, obviously. We'd have barbecues, we'd go on vacations. and No, it, um, like I say, a glass of wine here and there. I was never a spirits drinker. Um, uh, that's a fib that's a fib <laughs> okay, get it clean with us <laughs> get honest with us when I was 16 here we go this is I mean you're getting me to dig into memories that were a long time ago um, yesterday, I, Bali,
0: yesterday.
1: <laughs> that's who I wish um, when I was 16 I remember I was with a friend and it was New Year and we managed to sneak and one of the drinks then was a vodka and lime or a vodka and orange. Of course, when you're not a drinker, three vodkas and limes and, you know, you literally are wasted. And I can remember rolling in the snow and laughing. And that was my one and only time of getting drunk until I was well into my 40s. Wow. So
0: your kids are raised by now.
1: Yes. And, um, very much a man's house because I've got three boys. So it was very much a guy's house. Um, but I didn't feel left out because I was the only female in the house. I didn't feel left out. Um, I made sure that uh, I watched the football. I got interested in what the kids were doing. I would go to football matches, things like that. So, um, and I worked. I worked my butt off uh, because... You know, three kids, a mortgage, can't do it on just one guy's wages. I mean, he wasn't, he didn't have a trade, let's put it that way. He was what we would call a labourer, so he didn't have a trade. So it was a case of, you know, roll up your sleeves and get on with it, and that's what we did. We built a good life. You know, we built a good life, and then all of a sudden it just, boom, gone. Um... That it was, he died very, very suddenly. We had his 50th birthday and on the weekend we had an enormous barbecue. We've never had so many people at a barbecue and everybody we invited came and that was on the Saturday and everybody had fun. You know, we had neighbours hanging out of bedroom windows singing with the music because we always played. Pretty good music. And um, that was on the Saturday. And then on the Tuesday, he died very suddenly, one week after his birthday. So it was, uh, yeah. Tragic. It was actually because at the time, you just, you don't know what to do because um, all of a sudden, you've gone through one night and you're into the next day and you sit there thinking, hang on a minute, it's now the next day. And it's such a strange feeling to think that you've gone a 24 hour period, you know, and your mind goes through all sorts of things, but um, that was um, not long after that, when my drinking started. Um, My drinking started after he died. I had an old neighbor. And she used to bring me a glass of brandy every evening and tell me it was my medicine to help me sleep. And I have to admit that one of the things that I was terrified of was not being able to sleep after he died. Um, And she brought this brandy, but I never drank it. And I kept filling up this bottle. And then about three months after he passed away, I think that was when it suddenly hit me that he was gone. It took a while. And that's when it, it suddenly hit me that he was gone. And um, I was sitting there and uh, I was watching the sun go down actually. And I had a friend sitting with me and we were drinking this brandy and I just let it rip. I have never in my life cried like that before. Um, and I just let it rip. Because all of a sudden, I thought, why can't I have my life back? Why did this happen? I wanted normal. Normal to me was working your butt off as a couple, you know, looking after your house, looking after your kids. And now all of a sudden, I'm lost. Absolutely lost. How do I do this? Um, He got changed for work we both worked uh in the healthcare industry and he got changed for work and every time I went in the bedroom his sweater was on the chair and it was just so hard to see that sweater funny enough I still got that sweater in a drawer um I won't part with that and uh but no that was when my I think that was when my drinking started to really take off and I learned to um go to different places to get my alcohol so no one thought I was a drinker. I wasn't I wasn't struggling with alcohol. You only saw me buy one bottle of wine a week. But I bought one bottle of wine a week there, one bottle of wine a week there, one bottle of wine a week there. So oh, I, I totally eat, get it. I did the same thing. Yeah, different places. Um and I could I would start for a while. I think this is ridiculous, Um, I'd stop for a while and um, try and make a new life. I suppose is what I was trying to do because I just didn't know how to do this life. Because we'd been married for over thirty years. I was seventeen when I met when I married him, which means we grew up together. He would only, he was only just fifty. I was still in my forties. Um, um, I really. I knew what to do, how to manage money, you know, how to sort things out, how to, but it was not having anyone there at the end of the day to talk to. I don't know about how you and Jamie do it. I mean, you come in from work, you've got someone there <clears throat> and you can talk to them. Hi, honey, how's your day being, sort of thing. And yeah, I've had a rubbish day, you know, and. Coming home from work and there was absolutely nobody there to talk to, it was hard. So it was like crack a bottle of wine because it was only me. And that went on and I would stop for a while. Then I would start again. And I had some really good friends and they would come and they would uh, be with me and invite me and invite me to supper and things like that. And I would feel strange Um, I would hope that they weren't pitying me, that they were um, inviting me for genuine friendship. Um, I'm a pretty strong person, I think. Um, And I got on with it. And um, I got back on my own two feet and realised life was going to be different. But um, drinking, that's when my drinking took off was then. And as I say, I would stop now and again thinking this is ridiculous you don't need to drink like that you've got to learn to live with you can't
0: keep using drink to go to sleep and was that that was daily then
1: yeah that was because I was so terrified of not being able to sleep and I never thought to go to a doctor and get some help with going to sleep it didn't dawn on me and uh, I did stop and then I met Mr. Dan, bless him. <laughs> and um that's when a couple of years after that I uh, I left the UK and came here. So that's basically a lot of the early stuff until I arrived in the States. So I don't you, know.
0: you met your husband, your second husband over there? Yes. Cool. Yeah, he, he came over to work and we always joke. That um,
1: we met because he asked me to fix his fax, so I fixed his fax,
0: and that was it. You know, <laughs> his fax machine.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> I fixed his fax, so it was always. I'm just yes. wondering
0: because there's a lot of words out there that. Are yes, I know.
1: He always says that he went to the UK to work and brought back a souvenir, and that I'm his souvenir. So. hell of a souvenir hell yeah. <laughs> oh my god he didn't know what he was getting
0: into did he no he didn't really
1: he really didn't know what he was getting And he into. is blessed we both are actually because he is he's like a guru actually you can talk to this guy about anything he is the most non-judgment non-judgmental person i think i have ever met in my life he's laid back he's easygoing He's seen a lot of life. He is um, a Vietnam vet, so obviously he's seen some stuff. Um, He's had his own share of issues, but he's worked through those. And he's a strong guy. He's a very focused guy. He's a very sick guy, and I don't know how he manages to put up with what he puts up with every day. Yeah. Um, He's a strong fellow. Um, Yeah, I am blessed because I didn't think I would ever get married again. Well, I said I wasn't going to get married again. I was going to be an eccentric old lady who traveled around, going to different places. And I literally do talk to anybody. So I would have no fear of going to different places because I would always find someone to talk to. Um, And I do it now, even on my morning walks, I'll find someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. And this is where you you met your husband my Dan, a beautiful Dan. um yes, I am blessed. I'm not saying my first marriage was a piece of cake. we were babies when we got married, so we had to learn to grow up together, we had to learn a lot of stuff together, and I'm lucky that I met Dan in that Dan is a, a totally different guy, so laid back, and I think. So accepting of me and my faults. And he never, ever criticized my drinking. Never.
0: Because so when you first met him, were you still doing one bottle or, I mean, drinking once a day or had you quit again?
1: I quit it. I was moderating. I suppose you could call it moderating. Uh, if I was in company, I would drink, but I wouldn't drink at home. I stopped drinking at home i wouldn't drink at home because that was um to me drinking at home was a pitfall it was a, it was a place that um got me in trouble so i would only drink if i was out socially and because i was working full time and my job was pretty involved and i would make sure i walked to and from work um by the time i got home i just didn't want to drink and that was still in the uk mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was still in the UK. When I came over here, I travelled a lot. Um, And I only drank when I got back home from travelling because my job entailed a lot of travelling around. So when I was home, I would drink at home here with Dan. We'd sit in in the back garden, but not a lot. A couple of glasses But then over time, a couple of glasses became three glasses, became four glasses. So it was insidious. It just grew. It's like all of a sudden you think, how the heck did I get here? How did I let myself get to this place? Um, And it started to be more of a problem. And I started to use alcohol when Dan started to get really sick uh, mm. as a coping which was the wrong thing to do because as we all know when you're stressed you just get more stressed when you drink it doesn't it doesn't help the stress um, it just makes everything worse and I think probably about let's say about 10 11 years ago 10 years ago um i started back to drinking a bottle a day then it was creeping up to a bottle and a half um i tried to stop i'd go like i'm not drinking it's monday i'm not drinking this week by wednesday i think i'm gonna go and get a bottle then it'd be that's it it's new year i'm stopping uh that's my new year's resolution i'm not going to drink
0: so you you had this internal battle going on then Oh, yes.
1: With myself. All, I, I had this fight with me. Um, the other half It's like uh, the good guy on the one shoulder and the bad guy on the other. You just shut the good guy up because you don't want to hear him because he's not telling anything you want, telling anything you want to hear. You just listen to the bad voice.
0: So how was you waking up? Oh,
1: um, I can't. I used to have to sometimes get up very, very early with him to take him to appointments and I'd be on the road by five o'clock in the morning with him, knowing full well I was not sober because I hadn't had enough sleep. So once there towards um, towards the end, I was probably I would say maybe not even sober because all I was doing was topping myself up did I ever, I I sometimes wonder, did I, did I ever get sober? Was I ever sober? Because um, I would drink it and you didn't really sleep because we all know that's not proper sleep. That's just passing out, blackout, passing out. So you were blacking out too. Yes. I would, I would sometimes wonder how I got into bed. Um, I would feel dreadful because I'd be trying to put him to bed while I was three sheets to the wind we would go I was always the driver obviously and if we went to a family thing like Thanksgiving or a birthday party or family event after a couple of hours I would say right that's it time to go home because I knew there was wine in the fridge for me and I wasn't I wouldn't drink while I was there but I knew as soon as I got home I'd be cracking the bottle when I yeah. in the Isn't door. that
0: funny how our events, everything got shorter? Because we have to get back to our bottle. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, you know, it would and I was honest with the kids because I I really was starting to worry about it. And um they didn't think I had a problem, but they don't live in the house on a day to day basis. So they don't see, they didn't see the
0: daily drink kit. Not only that, you women are good at hiding yeah. shit.
1: Yeah, we've um I had a conversation with someone about the mask we wear. We will get up. We will um get in the shower and brush our teeth, etc. and on goes the face. The the mask, the smile. And yes, everything's fine. We can do this. And all day you're just dragging your butt because you are so tired and you think Oh, why did I do that? And then you go in the fridge and you open the wine and you pour the wine and then you're all happy again. Because right back you into fed the out,
0: little, Right into blackout mode. Yeah. You fed the little monster. Waking, waking up. And so you, you did what everybody's taught talk, talks about the guilt, the walk of shame, waking up with shame, guilt. Yeah. Standing in front of the mirror. Looking to see
1: if the whites of your eyes are still white. Are the whites of my eyes still white? Do I have any signs of yellowing? Um, extra perfume. Brush your teeth. Lots of mints in the car just in case. You know, that kind of thing. You did not, I did not want anyone to smell alcohol on me. And yes. I would worry that going to these early appointments with him that I would still be smelling of alcohol from the night before. So I was always very, very careful.
0: So you're like trying to sign the papers into the doctor visits, like 10 feet away. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: So no one could like I say, but I mean, and the, the times st- standing in front of the mirror in the mornings and just looking at yourself, thinking, why, why can't I do this? Why, why can't I stop? What is it about this that's got me beat? Um, it, there's almost a feeling of defeat. And I reached. I reached a point where I thought, I've got to do something, I've got to do something. Looking at myself and like a lot of people, the self-hate, you know and it it's it's hard to explain that um because
0: you're in such a grip i think like, everybody listening to you right now knows exactly what you're talking about you're gripped by
1: this and you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're in tears speaking as a, as a woman but you're in tears because this shouldn't be the way your life is. There's, you shouldn't be fighting every day just to live. Because that's what it ends up being a fight. You know, you're fighting with your conscience on a daily basis. You are. Um, and it's just,
0: what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me that I cannot do this. So you started thinking of avenues to get out of this at this yes.
1: time? Yes. Um The first time I stopped, I went to the doctor because I was just feeling so defeated. Um, I was yeah, under but, a lot of...
0: But before that, you used to drive by a place every day, right? Yeah.
1: There is, a, there is a, an AA not far from the house. And every day, well, every day that I took down to his clinics. I would pass the AA. And on the way home from clinic, I would pass it again. Then when I went to pick him up again. And it's 24 hour. Yeah. And I would, I'd be driving down thinking, turn right. Just turn right. Just steer in. Just turn right and go in there. And I would drive past and feel sick. And go and pick Dan up. And this went on for so long. And I'd be in tears driving past AA, thinking, why can't you just turn the wheel? Just turn the wheel and go in there. And then I'd carry on down the road. And then I would be driving back past it and I would try not to see it in my peripheral vision. Because I felt guilty for not going in there and getting some sort of help. Because to me, that was the only place around to go. I'd never thought to look for any other means of help. It was just AA. Then I started um, doing some research and finding out that there are things you can take to help with cravings. There are other avenues. But there, I, I didn't want to be... This is no disrespect to men, but I did not want to be in a room full of men. I was looking for a women's group, just a women's group. And um, There wasn't anything. There was nothing. And um, I was becoming desperate and still drinking. You know, I wanted to stop. I was looking for ways to stop, but all the time I'm pouring alcohol on myself. You know um i don't know it was it was crazy
0: absolutely crazy um, and it is and it is just desperation when you're in that mode because mm-hmm. you want out and you can't get out and you don't and i get it because i had nowhere to go either with all of my hours that i work and it was just hard to find somewhere to go so you're going back and forth with that and so this place is like haunting you huh yes it was it was
1: and i kept looking i kept seeing i kept seeing the aa sign with the aa and thinking you know you're going to have to go in there you're going to have to you know you i used to argue with myself so much because i used to think okay you got over losing your first husband you managed your life you got over moving from one country to another country with people saying, what will you do if it doesn't work? And I used to turn around and say, well, I'll just pick myself up and move myself on and come back. You know, I I always had an attitude of what happened to me with my first husband is the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. Nothing else can be that bad. And I was, I've always thought of myself as a strong person, but I just could not turn that steering wheel. Don't ask me why. I think, when I think about it now, I think there was a certain amount of shame in going to AA because to me, once you go through the door of AA, you are admitting, finally, you know you've got a problem. You're admitting it to yourself, but to actually admit it to other people, that you've got a problem, there's a certain amount of shame in it. And it takes a lot of courage to actually reach out and tell someone you've got a problem.
0: It does. And um,
1: eventually I knew I was reaching the end of what I could cope with. So I ended up seeing the doctor. And their first recommendation was to go to an AA meeting. And I don't know why, because they told me to go for some reason. <laughs> it seemed I was given permission to go to an AA meeting. <laughs> it was strange.
0: And oh, so all of a sudden it was okay? Yeah, it was okay. So the doctor told me I could go to but AA. <laughs> that little that little trickster in our mind, it's insidious and yeah. it's evil. And it. It's probably the little trickster that kept you out of those meetings. Do not go there. You're going to screw up my drinking.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. I mean, the moment you walk in that door, you can't go down the shop and buy a bottle of alcohol. That's it. You're done. Yep. And the thought of not going to buy alcohol, I just, I couldn't imagine it. And yet I'd gone over 40 years, (laughs) barely having a drink. And all of a sudden, I can't go without a drink. Um, And another thing that I never suffered, I would get the tiredness, but I never had the headaches. I never had the nausea. So my hangovers were
0: pretty. Oh, really? Even in the morning? You didn't have? Mm. Wow. Yeah. I'm not going to say lucky you. Lucky you.
1: (laughs) No, it wasn't because it makes you think that you you're bulletproof doesn't it I mean I'm okay I'm okay you know I'm not I'm not uh, having a problem with this but I knew I was and she told me to she was a wonderful doctor she actually sat there and let me cry all over her because I literally had reached a point of I wanted to die because this just was not the way I wanted to live I knew I had to stop. Dan was getting more sick. I was getting more stressed. And the stress was literally a combination of him getting more sick and me using alcohol to relieve stress that was creating more stress. So it was like a whole snowball effect.
0: And did, so how did, Dan, Dan, um, did Dan know how you were feeling about the alcohol? Yes. But he would say, I can tell you I don't like it.
1: But until you accept, he said, "I can't tell you." He he's said, amazing, I tell you. "Yeah, he's 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 the most amazing person." Um, and I would say, uh, "I'm not drinking." Okay. Two days later, I'm going to go and get a bottle of wine, and you could see the look on his face—the hurt—because I told him that was it. I was stopped. I wasn't drinking anymore. And then a couple of days later, I'm going to go and get a bottle of wine. And you could see the change come over his face as if to say, oh, well, I've heard this story before. Here we go. And I think after quite a while of me saying to him, that's it, I'm done. I'm finished. And then a a little while later saying, I'm going to go and get some wine. It was almost like he would roll his eyes and say, oh, yeah, when I say I'm done with wine, he would roll his eyes and say, yeah, I've heard that one before. Um, And he never believed I was stopping. Anyway, um, I didn't even tell him I was going to go to the doctor. I took him to his clinic and I went to the doctor. And she was marvellous. She was absolutely amazing. And she said, I'm going to give you something to help with the withdrawal. She said, but you can't, you have to be off alcohol for a week before you can take it. She said for best. She said, I want you to go to the next AA meeting you can find. And it was a Friday that I went to see her. So I even knew what time the meetings were. I had printed them off weeks and weeks before. So you
0: had been looking into this. On the oh, background. yeah, I
1: knew. What, yeah, I knew. Uh, I was looking for what the abbreviations were alongside the meeting times, newcomer meetings, 12-step meetings, etc. So I thought, okay, nine o'clock, Saturday morning, newcomer meeting. So um, I turned around to Dan and I said, I'm going to an AA meeting. He went, okay, good girl. And that's all he said to me. Okay, good girl. And I got in the car and I made the right turn into the AA meeting. You took the right turn. Yes. and. Saturday meeting was a busy meeting. There was a lot of cars there. And I, I just thought, don't even think about it. Just lock the car and go through the door. And I locked the door, locked the car and opened the door and walked in. I was the only female there. But you know what? I felt good for going. For some reason, just walking
0: through the door felt good. Um and yeah, that's I a sat, door you couldn't get through for a long time. Yeah. How long had you looked at this building? Been going back and forth. Oh gosh, about 18 months. 18 months. 18 wow. months. Yeah. 18 wow. months.
1: Um, and I walked through that door um there was this thick fog of cigarette smoke. It was like, oh my God. <laughs> Took my breath away, actually. I went <sighs> like that. Um You know, secondhand smoke. But I went in and the guy who was chairing the meeting, he said, welcome. And he smiled at me and everybody else just raised a hand and said, hi. No one took any notice of me, really. And I found a chair at the back of the room and I just listened. And at the end of the meeting, the guy who chaired it came over and he was talking to me. And he said, how long have you been sober? I said, one day. He said, one day, good. He said, one day today and then one day tomorrow. He said, that's it, just one day today and one day tomorrow. And I used to go um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday and Saturday mornings to AA
0: for three years. I didn't drink for three years. Um, There was a lot of camaraderie. So so that was three times a week that you went there.
1: Yeah, three times, four times, sometimes.
0: I used to, because it was on the
1: way, yeah, it was on the way to Dan's clinic. And um, I had a routine set out where um, I would take Dan to his clinic. I would go to an aqua aerobics class. I would grab a sandwich and go to an AA meeting and then just pop on down the road and pick Dan up. So that's how I fit my AA meetings in. They fit my routine. I was working the AA in a way that fit, that I thought fit me. I, did, I wasn't working AA. I was fitting AA into me. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody. I mean, I was. Um, it does to me. Yeah, I was, I was fitting it in around other stuff. I wasn't really working AA.
0: You weren't I, really working the 12 steps. No. you really weren't getting involved. No. Was you was you trying to help anybody?
1: No. I would just go to the meetings. Um sit there listen I would partake and I would talk um but I would mostly listen. It was uh it was a place that kept me off drink without getting me sober. That sounds weird. Um that sounds pretty
0: strange actually. Um I suppose I wasn't really sober. So you're saying you were kind of like a dry drunk.
1: No, I didn't romanticize uh, the alcohol. I I didn't think about the alcohol, but I didn't work at giving up alcohol.
0: So when you walked in that door that first time, you took the right turn. Mm -hmm. Your desire for alcohol like just stopped?
1: say it just stopped I reached a point where I knew if I was going to live any kind of life I had to make a change and um I think I don't know why I mean I didn't do a lot of research into um alcohol dependency alcohol addiction call it what you like um uh I, I looked for areas that could help me without
0: really looking into the causes. And you were on that medication still during this time? Yeah. And um,
1: so that was for three months. And then they put me on a, because of this, I was still under a lot of stress and because of various issues. And one of the things they did was put me on a low dose anxiety. Well, you can't drink with those things. I know people do, but it terrified me to think of drinking with taking that. So um, that helped keep me off the alcohol. Without And um, like I say, I don't know that I really delved into why. It was just, I, I stopped drinking. What I can say is I stopped drinking. Gotcha. You know, I stopped drinking. I wouldn't say actually gave it up. I stopped drinking for 3 for, years
0: for 3 years yeah and then what in the world happened to where you decided you were all of a sudden cured i didn't think i was cured i you know i never i, I didn't
1: the one thing they always tell you with aa is you don't graduate from this you know this you're in aa you never graduate that's it so you know i knew i wasn't cured Um, What happened was my mom died and mom and I had always, um, we loved each other in our own way, but we weren't as close as a mother and daughter should be. And some of mine was, I felt guilty because I was here and she was there and I wasn't there when she passed away and when she needed me. And I'm the only girl in the family. I was, I was the only girl in the family at the time. And um, I felt guilty for not being there looking after my mom. And I got on the plane to go over there. And the air hostess came around with the meal, as they do, and go red or white. And I just went white. And that wow. was it.
0: Boom. Boom. Back on it. Did you think about it before then? no nope. Spontaneous nope. white? Spontaneous. Just that.
1: And I remember that I was probably very drunk at my mom's funeral because the night before her funeral, I drank and drank and drank. And I remember getting up the next morning and getting dressed and just, well, I didn't, I was walking around the town because I'd been up, I'd had an incident that had upset me and um, a family incident that had upset me. Um, it wasn't, I'm not saying it was an excuse to drink, but it was upsetting. It was something that was upsetting and it made me feel very lonely at the time. I felt all on my own, even though I'd gone over to be with my siblings for my mom's funeral. I was made to feel on my own and I think that's some of the reason I drank that night really really badly I was having myself I think when I look back on it I was probably having one of those hell of a pity parties that uh, us women can have Um, and woe is me but um, I think if I if I give you the background to that many years ago I lost my sister to breast cancer, my younger sister. She was my baby sister. And baby sister was always mom's darling. I was the eldest girl in the family. So a lot of uh, looking after the kids and helping mom and all that fell to me, doing shopping. I was more like mom's assistant. Or I felt more like mom's assistant. And after we lost my sister, Um, whenever mom introduced me, she would always introduce me as now my only daughter. And people would say, what do you mean now your only daughter? So then it would be, she would get into talking about my sister and I always felt not quite good enough, if that makes sense. Um, I wouldn't say that was the reason, but it, it always made me feel not quite good enough. And then I went over from here for my mom's funeral and I was supposed to stay at my mom's place and all of a sudden I was told well no you can't stay here you'll have to go to a hotel because um your sister's daughter is going to be staying here instead so that hurt um and I it hurt and I went and I drank and I really drank and I knew that i I was not sober the next day at my mum's funeral, which later on disgusted me because, you know, how can you be drunk when you lay on your mum to rest? You know, it was like, it was awful. Um, and that was me back on the drink, completely back in it. If worse, probably worse than before. I mean, anyone who's given up alcohol knows that when you go back to it, it's like anything you've had as a habit. When you go back to it, you go back to it twice as badly as you did before. So, yes, I was back on the drink. I know Dan was disappointed when I came back um, to see me drinking again because he'd had me sober for three years. And um, then it was like on and off, on and off, on and off. And I gave up again, went back to AA, and then I didn't like it. Don't know why I didn't like it. I only went for three or four meetings and I came home and I I didn't drink for ten months, but that was the worst ten months without alcohol I'd ever been through. It was a battle every day to not drink. It was a fight. And I just caved and I went back and was drinking again and reaching desperation stages. By this time, I'd taken myself off the anxiety medicine so that I could drink. And uh, I knew I had to do something because, A, I wasn't fair to Dan. He was getting worse. I was definitely not sober when I was driving, and I was terrified it was going to get stopped sometime.
0: So you're back in a daily routine of drinking yes. again. Yeah. You're passing the AA billing. But you don't want to go back in there. Giving it the finger.
1: Yeah. <laughs> because um, I didn't want to go back in there. I think some of it was I didn't want to go in and admit that I was drinking again. Sure. You know, um a certain amount of shame in admitting that you fell off the wagon. Because you know, the moment you walk back through the door, you've got to stop drinking. And I didn't want to stop drinking. Right. You know, it's it, um I think that's the, that's the thing with me is um, once I went through AA for the first time, I knew I couldn't drink. The second time I didn't want to go to AA because I knew if I went, I would be, it was almost like being expected not to drink.
0: It's, 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 it's a little weird. And you um, just had 10 months that were really difficult not drinking. Yeah. And you want um, to drink all of a sudden. Yeah. This is what you want to do right now. Yeah. That's what I want to do. I
1: don't. I'm not living like this. I'm not going through this daily battle. I'm going to drink and that's it. So, and I thought I could moderate really.
0: I thought, okay. You no, thought it 10 months nobody, no, nobody ever does that. <laughs> Polly. No,
1: I actually, I. you give yourself every, you tell yourself everything. I can do this. I will only drink on Friday, Saturday. That's it. Fine. Then you get to Sunday and you think, oh, God. Yeah. So then you drink on Sunday and you think, okay, it's Monday. It's the working week. Technically. Get on with it. Um, and no, didn't work at all. Moderation.
0: And moderation went out the window pretty quickly. So let me ask you this. You're really creative. Yes. You are creative. <laughs> You're a heavy. I can anchor. create as
1: many excuses as you like. <laughs> yeah, that too.
0: But um were you still doing projects and stuff during this time too?
1: Yes. Um, I made jewelry. I did my jewelry. Um I would do um I did work. Uh I only gave up work when Dan got really, really sick. I still worked when um and I was climbing around roofs up ladders, and all sorts. So, you know, and um, I, I was making jewellery. I was selling jewellery. Um, I was doing um, scraper boards, anything that kept me occupied, reading books, you know, just anything to keep me occupied. And I've always had a bit of a creative mind, but a lot of the time, you know, not the time. And drinking, got no time for creative. That takes up too much time. And also, you know, um, what do I want to be creating for? I want to go and have a glass of wine. Right. And if I'd have tried projects when I was drunk, that would have been the worst. I mean, I have tried painting walls and things when I've had a few sheets, you know. And um, if I've had a few drinks, I've tried painting. And that was a disaster. (laughs) That was a total disaster. I can't imagine. Um, of course. me a, gl- a bottle of wine and a, a paint roller we have fun but it's, it's 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 very creative <laughs>
0: yeah
1: very creative but, so you're, um,
0: you're working you're taking care of dan you're drinking and you're waking up with the same old anxiety and this is you're doing this every friggin' day
1: Hate anxiety, I think it was not anxiety, hate anxiety. Gotcha. I used to hate myself, absolutely hate myself. And I will say, I wasn't, when it first started, I wasn't just looking after Dan. I had his mom disabled as well. So at one point, I was looking after Dan and his mom. And I was almost on my knees, crying. I'd be crying, I'd, I'd go and find a spot and I'd sit and cry and I'd think this is my life, you know I can't keep doing this, I'm tired I was drinking, it was a whole vicious circle of things and then beginning of last year, beginning of 2020 I reached a point where I thought is this my life? Is this what my life is going to be? You know, I'm older is this my retirement? I just want to die. And I'd sit there thinking, well, my kids are all grown up. They've all got good jobs. They're all in good places. It would be all right if I go now. You know, the, the, Dan will be okay. You know, his daughter's here. She'll look after him. And I literally reached a point where I didn't want to do it anymore. This life was just, sh- excuse my French, shit. You wanted just, to die? Yeah. I literally... I thought, if this is how the rest of my life is going to be, I don't want it. I just want to go now. Just let me go now. Um, Those were difficult times. It was scary times in some ways. But in some ways, it was like I accepted that I could go. You know, if I went now, all right, I was all right with it. I was okay with it because I just didn't want to live like this anymore. I'd reached the end. And I don't know why, but um, I decided to go back to the doctor. And it was a different one and another nice lady. And she sat with me and she talked with me and she put me back on the medication to stop the withdrawal. And I picked up the medication and I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. I put it in the in the medicine cabinet and went and bought a bottle of wine. I thought I can't do it. I can't I can't do it. I can't take it. And that went on for I did stop on my birthday. I decided that was it. It's my birthday. I'm going to stop. That's it. I'm not going to drink anymore. And I did do 2 weeks. But it was horrible. And I went back to it. And I stayed like that. And um, like every time I opened a medicine cabinet to get medicine for Dan, I would see this bottle of pills and I kept looking at them. And then I kept thinking, you've got to do it.
0: You know, you've got to do it. It seems you like want. you've always had this, like something there in front of you, saying like the right turn, you're going to make yep. the right turn. Yeah. Now you got this friggin' pill bottle staring at you every day.
1: <laughs> milestones, isn't it? It's milestones. It's, um, it's, it's markers along the journey of your life, isn't it? I mean, it there's always markers along the journey. My first marker the first time I gave up it was the right turn into the AA. This time it's this pill bottle and I keep looking at it and looking at it and I thought, just do it. Um, I sat and talked with my guru, me Dan. I talked with my guru and I talked and I could always talk to him about anything. And I talked to him, and I cried I mean, I can feel myself filling up now. Um, I cried, and I said to him, "I just want to stop." And he said, "Well, take the pills." He said, "You've got them." He said, "Take them." And that night, when we went to bed, I took the pill bottle out of the cabinet, and I looked at him and I took one. And I thought, "That's it. in for a penny. This is your life. This is, this is you taking a chance on life because life at that point was nothing. It was, it was horrible. It was crying, finding little corners to sit and call myself every name I could think of because I was pretty disgusted with myself. I was pretty upset that my life had come to this, that this was my life. Um, Breaking point, I suppose um yeah the pill bottle was another turn another milestone um i always say we live many lifetimes the pill bottle was my next lifetime and i knew at my age i couldn't keep doing this and i thought okay and I did a lot more research. I did the thirty-day alcohol experiment, which is uh, the Annie Grace.
0: So you found that online mm-hmm. doing the research. Yeah, the Annie Grace, and I'd, I'd also, I knew I was
1: just like, I was drinking, but I was also researching, giving up drinking a lot more before I actually stopped.
0: But once you took baths.
1: that, once you took that pill, yeah, that was it. That was it. I was done um, with alcohol. And I think I only took them for a week because for some reason I'd made a right turn. You know, I'd been going down this road, I made a right turn. Um, I found different things online. There was a sober, ch- plenty of sober chat groups that I investigated looked in to see what was being said by people see if I could relate to what they were talking about see if it resonated with me because up until then even with AA I hadn't found anything that fit that actually like felt comfortable um I suppose it's like putting on a an old favorite coat or an old favorite pair of shoes that just feel comfortable feel right um I hadn't found that, and then last year I did in that, I did the thirty day alcohol experiment and I followed the Annie grace podcasts and also her chat group and I also just which is awesome, this
0: naked mind, which is yeah, yeah. breaks it all down and yeah, um and that community is an awesome community too yeah and then I just
1: googled. Um, I went in, I just picked up my phone and I thought, um, it was just curiosity. I was just sat around one day and it was curiosity. And I just put um, sober apps. And I was reading through and looking at the stars. And um, I am sober. The app came up
0: first. And let me just say real quick, we're not promoting. No. Any any apps or anything, just so... No. Nobody comes after us. <laughs> no, it's it's. But it's we can immediate. mention them. Yeah, but we're just not promoting. Yeah. It's a
1: tool, same as Annie Grace. It's a tool, and it is. For, for people who give up drinking, whatever helps, you grab onto with both hands. It's like um, like a lifeline. You just grab it with both hands, hoping that it's going to pull you out of this pit that you've got yourself into, because it's just a very dark pit. It is. Um, I I'm a. I'm a I'm a visual person, and my, how I approached it this time was visually more than anything. And I found the IAS app, I Am Sober, and I joined. And I was in it for two weeks, feeling really good. And then we had one night where I had some wine and Dan had a couple of beers. He's not supposed to drink as, at all. And I can't remember what it was, but we did. And it was the beginning of June of last year. And I'd been on the app for two weeks. And I got up the next morning. And for some reason, it, I reset back to zero. I hadn't gone in the community side of the app, I'd only used it as a, an accountability. Logging in in the morning to say, yes, I'm going to stay sober today. And then reviewing my day at the end of the day was what I was using it for. It took me a little bit to get into the community, but I had no problem. And I had no issue just resetting and saying, that's it. I'm not doing this again. And that was on June the 3rd, 2020. And that's the day that I kept, I've I suppose that's, yeah, that was the right turn. The really, I mean, I made the right turn, but then I actually made the right turn into the best place I've ever been, which was so the community when you, side of it.
0: When you drank with Dan and you had that wine, so you woke up the next morning, you were just like, done. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going back. I'm sick of this shit. No, that's it.
1: Um, and I really didn't drink a lot for me. It was like half a bottle of wine, which, wow, you wouldn't have got me doing half a bottle of wine any other time. I used to go to bed when the bottle was empty. And only that trickster was, was trying
0: to set you up. Oh, you only drink
1: a half a bottle. Yeah. And the, half, the other half went down the sink. I wasn't doing it. <laughs> awesome. So, um, and the one thing I did was I got into the community side of uh, the app and started looking at how other people were doing it and taking ideas from that and looking f- for support, um, seeing how other people were coping with situations. But for some reason or other, it just, it just felt right. It just
0: felt like this was the right time. And it's not just a place where it's all men. No. It's a community of everybody yes. from, all, from all over the world. Yes, global. It's global. Um, And you, you're an international person. (laughs) Yes. You're Um, like, oh, wow. You just dialed right in, didn't you?
1: Yeah. um, And at first I just, um, I would make small comments, but then I started um, trying to make something that would resonate with something,
0: something that resonated with me that would maybe resonate with someone else. Um, So you're just all of a sudden there's something in you that wants to start giving back. Yes. And you never gave back before when you went to the meetings. No, I didn't see a need to, you know, this,
1: uh, I was working for me and only me. Um,
0: And now now you're seeing other people where you're at. Yes. And you want to (laughs) help yourself, but you also want to help them. Yes. Um, there's a certain sense of, I don't know
1: how you could describe the feeling when you, when someone reads what you've put and they get it.
0: I would um, say that it restores your soul. My soul was
1: practically dead. My soul was practically dead. Um, because as I said to you, I'd reached a point where I thought, If this is my life, I really don't want it. You know, this is just not
0: living. You are an empty shell. Yes,
1: definitely. Um, Definitely. Um, And I cried so much in how I got myself to that point. It was the, I had this, it was, and I, I reached a point where I thought, this is it. This is my last, this is my last reset. There isn't another reset in me. This is it. It's either you do this, all in, or you're dead. All in. All in, all in, full on. And I've gone in all in and I'm so happy. And I can't remember a feeling like this in a long, long time. And I think some of the happiness, a lot of the happiness comes from the community and the support and seeing people help people, genuine people help people. Watching someone you're supporting who's fighting so hard to get sober, suddenly come alive. Because that's what I feel like I've done. I think I've come alive. Because, yeah, I was dead. I was a dead woman walking. Amen. I totally get it. Um, There was just, I'd get up and, yeah, okay, this is my day. Is it bedtime yet? That's all
0: you wanted. You're starting to comment a little here and there, and you're slowly getting more involved Mm -hmm. with this. Yes. Excuse me. I was having a drink of water. Yeah. Um, and, and you're waking up feeling
1: oh, better. So much better. And I, I got back into my walk-in and I would get out there every morning. And it was just the sheer joy of being out there and seeing the world. All of a sudden, that you hadn't seen for so long. I mean, it's silly. Seeing the sunrise is like—it's like being given a
0: present. You're like Lazarus.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I you suppose know? you could. Yeah, Lazarus's sister. Um.
0: <laughs> right, but it's <laughs> yeah. the same thing. I mean, you were yeah. dead.
1: I was, because like I said earlier, I just wanted to die. That was it. I just didn't want. If the, I was old, I'm not young. Um, I have retired, and I thought, well, if this is my retirement, I'm quite happy to go now. But that's to what
0: bed. the alcohol does. It stills your, your soul, life. Your, life. your life. Your life.
1: It just, it, it takes, it, it's almost like you a black and white photograph when you're in alcohol, and then when you stop drinking alcohol, you're looking at a color photograph because yeah.
0: everything. You stop drinking alcohol, and it's like Lazarus, come forth. Everything is louder. It's brighter.
1: It's full on. It's exciting. It's it's bubbles. It's like fizzy bubbles. It's um, you get high on life. You really do, it's, it's, well, being
0: drunk on life actually is better than being drunk on alcohol. But there's a difference here, Polly, because you've been sober before. Yes. But you never gave back. No. This time you're sober giving back and all of a sudden there's changes going on inside of you. Yes. Um,
1: but I'm giving back. And there's rewards coming back to me. It's like there's the old, what, whatever you give out, you normally get back twice fold. Um, I always taught my kids that never talk to anybody in a way you would not like to be spoken to yourself. And if you give out happiness, then you get back the same kind of thing. There's the old expression, misery breeds misery. You know, um, when I was drinking, I was a miserable sod. So, you know, everybody around me was probably miserable as far as, but I didn't see it because I was too busy and selfish actually in my drinking. Um, And it was selfish because Dan was getting more sick and I selfishly carried on drinking while he was getting more sick.
0: So oh, that's got, that had to been great too. You're waking up now three, four in the morning to get him ready because you got a long drive sometimes, um, Mm -hmm. when he needs infusions and stuff, but you're not waking up wanting to die anymore. No, um, no. And
1: I'm not waking up feeling guilty that I am not giving him 100% because he's, he's my partner. He's my best friend. Um, as my partner and my best friend and the person who stood by me and watched me through this, he deserves to have me 100%. He deserves to have me 100%. don't know what kind of bargain he's getting, but, you know. Um, he's, get, he's getting a good bargain. <laughs> it, like I say, he's, he's been with me through this because my first husband was never with me through this because I didn't drink. Dan has been with me through this. I'm totally honest with anybody who asks me. I've got no fear of it. If you ask me why I can't drink, I'll tell because I do not alcohol and me do not agree. We don't yeah, get on.
0: You are pretty fearless. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can be a scary so and so yeah um i'm I think I'm funnier now than I was when I was
0: drunk. <laughs> I know you're you are. Um, you say some I good stuff.
1: Yeah, um, I I see I I see things differently now. It's like I did a post today in the app. I've done a couple of posts this last week where I've trying to be trying to explain my visual of how I see things now compared to how they were, and how I see myself working through where I am now um, and like I say I'm a visual person and I think some of that is I'm an aquarium we're very artsy fartsy people you know we <laughs> we're the poets and the painters and the arty people and maybe that's why i do the visual because I picture things my picture for myself is when I was in the depths of dead soul, despair, wanting to die. Zombie. Yeah, I was in the bottom of a well, a very old, smelly, wet, damp well, somewhere no one would want to be. Crouched, all crouched, hunched up. And you could barely see the light at the top of this well. And the only way out was to climb. I can't climb that wall or out of that well anymore. So I'm not going back in the well.
0: And you've just come alive. Yes. And you're, you're finding a way to help others. Yeah. um, I came
1: alive last summer walking. I walked, I would say, I walked into my sobriety a lot because, um, I'm a person who just loves to be out in, in nature. I love to be outside. Um, people go to church, brick walls, et cetera. I'm always a believer that uh, the church for me is out there because that's where it was created. It wasn't created with walls. It was the trees, the birds, the wind. Just that's where you can come alive is outside because you're not enclosed. You can spread your arms. You can just feel life around you when you're outside. And that's how I was last summer. Every morning you'd get up. Every morning. Yeah. And walk. Um, so you had church every morning. Every morning. And then about two months into it, I ended up with church and a sober buddy who we would talk endlessly about um Feelings and getting sober, and how we were coping with being sober, and he gave to me so much um, because he could relate totally to me,
0: and well, he would listen. Let's just say that because I, I love it. That you and I would talk every morning.
1: Yeah, um, you are interviewing me now, but we've probably been interviewing each other for seven months.
0: Yes. On this, and
1: I know you very well now. Yes, um, and I know you also, and I love you like a little brother. Amen. You know, um, and having someone to talk to who would just listen and let me be me was huge, and that's what you did for me. That's how you gave back right at the start was you gave me you and you would listen to me and I can ramble with the best of them. And you you let me talk. And for me, that was huge to have someone who totally understood where I was coming from because we were both within a day or two on this journey. So we were one both One day. One day. And we were both at the same stages and
0: I think I, it was good. I'm older good to just by it. the way, I'm older in our sobriety. Just so everybody yeah, knows by
1: one day. Yeah. But you don't, <laughs> so i am tell
0: you now, I'm the big sister and, uh,
1: <laughs> and I can give you a beat down. Um, let's, <laughs> but no, it was, to me, it was huge to have someone to talk to one-on-one and you and I would talk and I would walk. And on the days we didn't talk at, Music was another thing for me. Oh, they always say you can find a lyric for any mood. And I found music again. And it was, uh, I would find the meaning in music and associate what I was going through with those meanings. And a lot of it was just the brightness of the days was just immense for me. It really was alive. I was alive and I was so freaking happy. I couldn't believe how happy I felt and that I had no desire, absolutely none for a drink.
0: And not only that in your walk, your walk is in a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. You're walking by a lake. My you're lake. Seeing, you're seeing, and you're getting a lot of like, ideas as you're walking like when you saw the ripples and
1: oh i mean you have
0: yeah you have so many cool things um
1: that i i just watched the ripples the one day and i thought that's like this community and you 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 put something there and it has this ripple effect that other people can feel but not only that um The IAS for me was the stone as well. I threw the stone in and the ripples there expanded as I went along the journey till now. The ripples are huge. The ripples are absolutely huge. And a lot of it is people just giving of themselves. And I like now to give of myself because... I you're, think if you're I, all in. Yeah. Because this is my life and I love it. I absolutely love it. I do. I have regrets. Yes. I have regrets that I didn't come to it sooner. Maybe if I was younger, I wouldn't see it the same way. Maybe it's because I'm because of the age I'm at now. I see it this way. Um, I've said before we live many lives. This is now my new life. This, and this is a beautiful life. And um, I, I'm trying to create play spaces in my life that are me as I am now. Um, doing things differently uh, that have no, have no association with drinking, I'm starting to create a garden where I can sit where I am creating a space uh, to read, to listen to podcasts, to, I mean, I've even visualized taking out my yoga mat in the mornings, shock the neighbors, because there's two. (laughs) (laughs) Here's one. The bottom of the garden, um, yard garden, is a chicken coop. And sometimes the lady hens get up on the roof of that chicken coop and they're peering over the fence like two old hens, and their necks are going up as if to say, What do you think the neighbors are doing? And I imagine myself out there with my yoga mat and the two hens getting up on the roof saying, What's that silly old woman doing with her <laughs> yoga mat on the deck? You know, things like that, um, painting pictures. And
0: so, and you've been, you've been doing picture. that with. Um... You've you got really creative with posts. Yes. You got really involved with a lot of women. Yes. So, tell us more about that part.
1: Last year, at one point, um, one of the ladies uh, had found um, a six-week lead-up to Christmas that was uh, from another, um, a very famous lady uh, who does a lot of uh, quick lit. Does podcasts etc and it offered a six-week program leading up to Christmas to help with people and she said did anybody want to go in on it and we agreed there were I think there were 12 of us agreed to go in on it but after a while I think it was before the end of the first week even I found that it wasn't serving me and I'm selfish in my sobriety I need things that work for me I don't see why I should do things that don't work for my sobriety. And I think you have to be selfish at sobriety.
0: You've got to make it your journey.
1: Yeah. So it wasn't serving me. So, and I I said, I'm going, I'm not going to, I said I would stay in the group because we were chatting to each other and we were, we were starting to engage with each other. And, but I wasn't going to take part in the six week Um, lead up to Christmas thing, but I would stay and I would offer support. Then all of a sudden the the girl who was managing the group said, I can't do this. Can someone take over? So I, I turned around and said, okay, I'll do it.
0: So this is a group outside of IAS. you, You guys are creating your own group with women.
1: We all came from IAS. Um and we um we started this group and we we became like a sisterhood. We were all women and I'm a great believer that um AA is a wonderful, a wonderful thing. It does a good job. Yes. But I think that AA was created by men for men. Women go, but you will find maybe one women's meet in a week. You sound like a feminist. <laughs> I'm not I, um, I'm just, It's I'm fine not. It's, I know I'm just you're teasing you.
0: me You're teasing me again um, I love to tease just, you Yes I know
1: That's what little brothers do isn't it That's um, right
0: Bug their big sisters
1: Yes uh, You're a little bugger um, There was maybe one women's AA meeting a week Just women only um, One hour a week is not much well, it's absolutely nothing really when you think about how much support because we can cope with a lot of things. And like we were talking earlier, we put a mask on and hide a lot of things. You know, we're the good mom, we're the good wife. You know, we can keep the house running. We can keep the kids clean. We can do the shopping, We can do all the running around. We're good. We're superwoman. No, we're not. We're human. We're human. And um, the pressure, I think, sometimes is too much. But I I started doing a lot of research into um, support for women. And I found there wasn't a lot, to be truthful. And women's addiction to me is different to a man's. Women's needs. Because men are from Mars and women are from Venus. You know, we're two totally different entities.
0: Well, you are definitely different.
1: (laughs) And... I started to think that maybe women just a women's only could offer a place, a safe place that we could talk. Oh, the kids are getting on my nerves. Oh, I want to shoot my husband today because he's left his dirty boots on the floor or whatever. I'm sure there's a lot of that. Just, just somewhere we could feel safe. And not only that, um, somewhere we could say, I really want to drink tonight, um, but I don't want to drink. It, it, you know, help stop me from drinking, uh, those kind of things. So we would support each other and say, nope, go and have yourself a nice long bath, go and go for a walk, go for a run, whatever. And we would distract until the craving was passed. And we grew.
0: We started quite small. And you also had this space where it was a little bit more private. Yes. And that helps you also.
1: Yes, it does.
0: And um, it's it's so
1: much more supportive. I find it's really supportive if I go in and, and not only that, if one of us isn't around for a day or so, the others will check in and say, are you all right? Is everything okay? Because sometimes it's hard to reach out and say I'm having a difficult day or I just don't feel right today, or I'm having a blah day. Once you've learned to reach out, you, it gets easier each time. But at the start, it is hard to open yourself up and be vulnerable because we're all expected to be tough. And opening yourself up to be vulnerable is really, really hard. And admitting that you are not the perfect wife, you're not the perfect mother, you do have your faults. But finding out that that other women have exactly the same issues is a huge comfort, um, and there's a lot of friendships that come out of it, and so much sisterhood, as we call it. That we've now we're now up to four groups, and with the possibility of a fifth.
0: Everybody, I'll. Everybody in these groups, they're learning how to give back at the same time, too.
1: Yes, because when one is struggling, everybody comes in and assists and helps their sister um, with support, with just being there, just someone being there, knowing that there's someone that you can turn to who totally understands what you're going through. It's huge. It really is huge. And every time we have a victory, because it is a victory, and every time we have a victory, it helps all of us. We all feel that victory. Yes. It's our own. It it belongs to us as well. Their victory belongs to us as well.
0: So, Yeah, because somebody was on the edge that night something happened or whatever good or bad, whatever sparked um, Mm -hmm. that trickster in their head. And when they didn't drink, then you all share that victory together. Yes.
1: And the milestones we, to, to us, the milestones are huge when you've watched someone fight and fight and fight fall down get up fall down get up fall down get up and and you
0: literally have girls in these groups that were constant reset uh yes they didn't even think they were gonna get out of their this mode at times and you have there's a whole bunch of you women that you're really you're kicking ass we are yeah
1: um and like and the ones that have fallen and got up and fallen and got up and fallen and got up because they truly want this and we help as much as we can and you see them hit a week then they hit two weeks and the the feelings are just immense and when they hit 10 weeks without a drink 70 days without a drink
0: 76 77 seven. you saying six months six months
1: um yeah 12 weeks you know it's just it's it's a joy it really does and to see the change in personality
0: and not only that these women are coming out of these groups and most of them are still associated with IAS yes and they're coming back and they're bringing in their strength to others in the IAS or that are just um that are just starting out
1: one thing you can do is with some of these you can go back and see the old posts and see the change in the mindset from then to now and you can see that they are starting to now give back
0: some you can't some you some you can some you can't
1: <laughs> you you can't win everything you know and no i'm just saying
0: to- yeah. If anybody knows Drifter, they know that Drifter deletes and you aren't gonna find a lot about Drifter.
1: But <laughs> well, with our sisters, to see the change in the posts that they put, it's it's huge. You see them and it, it brings you to tears. It brings you such joy. And it's tears of joy and cheers and of tears of pride that they've had this change of mindset, this starting to feel this joy for life. Um, children that are not going to see drunk moms, children that are going to grow up and have.
0: We're not- seeing moms turn their relationship with their kids around. It's just amazing. Like with I must in her story, jumping on yes. the trampoline and her daughter filling up from upstairs. Saying her mom had lost it. But yeah was just joyful. Thrilled. It the, the joy I
1: mean, just I must on the trampoline. just there is a joy for life. There is a girl who is six months sober, enjoying her life. She doesn't care what the neighbors are thinking. Get on that trampoline. Um I I was. I did paddleboarding. I did yoga on on a paddle board. I got no fear of it. I fell in the lake. God knows how many times. I have climbed a ladder. One of my you, first. You years. just climbed a ladder. I know. I I um. I didn't electrocute myself. I went and hung a new light in the dining room. I did it all
0: on my own. Quite pleased with myself. All with the that. electrical wiring. Yes. The, the mounting <laughs> of the brackets. The whole shebang. Yes. The whole shebang. And um, you didn't electrocute Dan when you turned it on. No.
1: Dan stayed well back, actually, just in <laughs> case.
0: Yeah. So we're gonna wrap no, this okay. up about what the what you're doing with the women and these other apps. And then we're gonna talk about what you and I have planned podcast. So Wait. go ahead with the women.
1: Um the women uh I think women need to sit with with other women, and the women help each other. Um, we've done a few zooms. We've celebrated birthdays. We've celebrated milestones together. We've had some fun zooms that have not just been about alcohol, because our life is just not. Because these are young mothers as well. These yeah, are you're women. doing
0: girly things like birthday parties with wearing hats yes. and oh yes, and-
1: we've had. We've had um, pink lemonade and cupcakes party. We've had, um, our very first one was um, we had to wear a hat. So people were coming in different hats and you could come in your your robe or dressing gown, as we call them in the UK. You know, it didn't matter. This isn't a place you have to put your lipstick on. We don't care. We're all ordinary everyday women we're nothing in the scheme of things. We're nothing special. We're not chief executives. We don't run banks. We don't run corporations. We're just ordinary everyday ladies, women, girls, whatever you want to call us. Some, um, some
0: have careers
1: though. Some do have careers. Yeah. They have careers. And we've got a cross section that can help. We've got, people that can help us. We've got social workers, nurses.
0: I mean, you're there, right? Nurses. You're there. They're on their way home. They've had a bad day and they can actually vent and get some help just to get home to where they're not stopping. Yes.
1: Where they don't. um, And some people, when they first stop drinking, the the sleep still doesn't come. And the dark
0: in nine months,
1: and I'm still yeah. trying to. I think um I don't do too bad. Some nights I
0: get some really good sleep, sometimes shit. it depends on how my head's running. Shit, you, you know? I, I've seen yours, you get a, like a hundred percent. I'm getting 56 and shit, and you're getting a hundred percent. I'm like, how the hell? Yeah,
1: but then I'm old, I need my sleep. So um yeah. and my age, I need beauty sleep more than I need anything else, but that's
0: another story. So um you've actually Paula, you've come in nine months from death, wanting to die. Uh, your soul was just gone. Yes. And now you're restored. Your soul runneth over.
1: Yes. And um, it I call it my champagne bubbles because they are literally like champagne bubbles. It bubbles up inside all the time, this, this zest for life. I never understood this zest for life. And like you say, I go to my lake and another expression I never used to understand was people turning around and saying, I need to go and find myself. I would look at them and think, why do you need to find yourself? You're not lost. I was lost. I was gone. I was not there towards the end. I was just not there that I was gone. I was lost. And now I find me. And I was in a, a but zoom. Not cabin. only
0: are you finding you, you're creating you. Yeah, and it's 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 beautiful. I love it.
1: Um I love looking at things and I find I can step back and look at things differently now. I don't react. Um because I'm no longer hung. Well, not I never really got hung over. I was short-tempered, was tired. You know, I, I don't bite anymore because I now find I can step back. Um, I've learned to stop, look at a situation, and then react after I've thought about it, rather than go in um, all guns blazing, because then I'll make a pratter myself if I do that. And like I say, with the groups, the girls, we... We just love being together as a group. Um, Some post daily, some come in, drop in and out now and again. It's not a hard and fast thing. It's there as a support mechanism as and when it's needed. It's like any other tool, but we know it's just, it's just women. So if you want to go there and vent, go there and vent. You know, we... We don't judge, there's no judgment. And I think that's important because I would hate to be judged. I really so would. So
0: here you are, full of life, and now you're building your non drinking environment in your backyard. You've even bought new glasses that have never mm-hmm. a- had alcohol in them. You're yes. doing, you're building your life to where, um, Alcohol is not in it, period. No, it's not there at
1: all. At all.
0: Alcohol takes everything away from us, Polly. It does. it
1: It almost took me. It almost took me. And sitting and talking with Dan that one night, and then taking that pill at bedtime, that was me coming back. And slowly by the time i would say by the time i got to the end of last year i was feeling good good at where i was good at how i felt good at the friendships and connections i was making
0: and you just and went through christmas and new years like it was not gangbusters there's nothing yeah. yeah
1: what i mean i was i was reading people saying oh christmas is coming
0: christmas why Why are you stressing? Christmas is Christmas. Because we forget that alcohol um, takes everything away from us. Mm -hmm. And there's somehow we romanticize having that drink. And we forget the depths of the abyss that we were in.
1: Whenever Uh, I think of a a drink, I think of the girl at the bottom of the well. Mm
0: -mm. You've got your visual visuals in your head. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And yesterday when I found the little frog, bless his little heart, there was this one little frog. He's got these big bug eyes. You're, um, in, you're in the dollar store. Yeah, I'm in the dollar general store. Dan was next door socializing with the ladies, which I left him to Get it. In, he was having fun. Getting a haircut. Having fun. And I was in the dollar general because I went to look for some more pots to make my nice garden. I still got to find a Buddha. Um, and there was this little frog I loved is it was his eyes that attracted me first off because my eye um I've got a bad eye and I said to the girl Polly the pirate yeah one-eyed pirate
0: Um, and
1: um I said to the girl I said how much is this frog I said with the broken foot. And she looked at me and she, as if to say to me, it's broken. So I said, yeah, how much do you want for it? And she went, take it. She said, cause it'll probably go in the trash. So I took the frog. I bought him two friends as well. You took the broken frog. I took the broken frog. And as I was putting the frog out today, it suddenly came to me what I put in my post. I was broken. I really was and I think a lot of people can relate to that because you reach these, you reach out on these apps because you literally have reached a place where you're broken. You just defeated, totally defeated. And I looked at the frog and I thought, you may be broken, but I like you. And he sits in the the pot with the rose that is Dan's Rose, the, the Wounded Warrior Rose. And I looked and I thought, well, we're a house full of not quite all together. We've got three rescue cats. I've got Mr. Dan, the Wounded Warrior. I've got me, who is more than imperfect, with a bad eye. And I've now got a frog with a foot missing. So he fits.
0: It's a perfect, <laughs> imperfect home. Yes. <laughs> So I mean, this is just so incredible, Polly. Because I've got to see your journey, and we both basically—I crawled into the IAS myself, but um, we both—it's like we've been reborn. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, we've been restored. My soul's full. Your soul's full. Yes, and but I think it comes back to giving back. You give back a lot. And you had the perfect example when you went through your three years of being sober before you showed up, but you weren't involved and you yep. never gave back yep. and there was no healing really. Yep. Now you give back and you have, you're full of healing. So let's talk about a little bit about how you're going to get back more because you're, you're so friggin' busy. I can't believe how busy you are. You've got these um, groups. I'm in one of our groups too, guys, and it's phenomenal. It it and it it's the
1: groups have become more friendship as well. Yeah. And you can attest to that because we've got a group of friends now that we didn't have nine months ago that are becoming beautiful friends that are they fight the same fight we do, but we do it. It's sort of that's sort of secondary to our friendship on one of the groups, the fight for the alcohol, against the alcohol. It's it, to me, it seems secondary. The friendships to me are, are so well, important.
0: I, it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of fight with the alcohol now. No, we, we seem to have got, got a, uh, we seem to be accepting of the fact that
1: life is good. It is. Life is absolutely wonderful. Um,
0: and I, that's, that's what we share now more probably than anything.
1: Yeah. And, um, I know that um, I won, I can't go back and I can't change it and I'm not going to look back. Um, yes, did I make mistakes? Yes, lots, plenty. But I can't go back and put them right. All I can do is go forward from now and see, see if I can make my life worthwhile. And giving back gives me. And you
0: are going to rope me in for something even more. Yeah. giving back. <laughs> yeah, because you're going to help me out. We're mm-hmm. going to try to get because these podcasts, there's been a lot of people talking to, it's it's helping. People are going to hear your story and they're going to they're going to um, be able to um are those tears in your eyes? Probably. <laughs> are you getting emotional? Don't. You love giving back, don't you? Yes. It it feels it, it fills my heart it
1: fills my soul as you said earlier it's it's like the tank was empty on June the 2nd on June the 3rd I started filling my tank back up my tank is overflowing with a joy for life um, a love of seeing people beat this just If you and I was in with someone who said, oh, I've only got 15 days. And I say to someone, don't ever say only, because if you are sober one day, that's a victory. There is never an only. I think we're winning. I think we are, too. I think we need to start changing the I mean, one of its Mother's Day in the UK today. And the wine is.
0: gifts. There's sober women today, sober we, moms today.
1: Yes, we have women celebrating their first sober Mother's Day for a while and getting angry at all the advertising and
0: the fact that you go and there's all the Mother's Day gifts with the wine. You women are bombarded with uh, their marketing from these monsters they got the best the brightest people in the world marketing this shit to you women they got a wine glass where you can put it in anywhere the shower while you're doing dishes have your own little holder for your wine glass they romanticize this shit over and over yeah scary it is it is it's it's insidious the
1: the getting hooked on it is insidious and so is the advertising it's all subliminal blah, blah, subliminal a lot of it it's it's it secret knows. messages and you don't realize how how they are affecting you until and like i say i got myself in a place where i just could not understand how i got there i was totally flummoxed that i i'm not an ignorant person I have a certain amount of common sense, but I got myself to a place. I couldn't understand how I got there. How did I let well, myself get there? we
0: have got this monster, uh, yes. this chemical that's poisonous to us that that is highly addictive. Then we have uh, this, the world that has accepted alcohol and, um, that is subliminally marketed to us in every way possible then we have our family some have family and friends that uh, we're looked at like we have a friggin disease and that uh, we're lep- we're lepers if you can't hold your liquor yeah and it's and it's all bullshit it's cloak and dagger bullshit so uh, yeah you love giving back and i see the emotion yes. in you and we're yes. going to we're going to take this to another limit okay let's get you because with blue it just we stumbled on off the cuff and we're going to start doing off the cuff um yeah no sippy no slippy there you go (laughs) and um you know all these women Mm -hmm. and you guys know each other very well so i think that we should get you should Hopefully, you'll help me out get some of these interviews. We can get more interviews mm-hmm. out here. We can get more people involved, and it's just giving back in a restore. Yes, and also get the message out there to
1: anyone who needs help. There are there are things we you know we have been there. We've been in the depths. We've been in the pit. We can help. And it's what we want to do. Um, and I know AA, one of the AAs is, one of the things is that you, you help the alcoholic who is still struggling. I hate the word alcoholic, I'm sorry.
0: Um, like someone that I, I like watching, enthusiastic drinker. I was a very
1: enthusiastic <laughs> drinker. I was, I was like an Olympic gold medalist. I could have, yeah, I was an Olympic gold medalist drinker.
0: it so. took, took you right into the pits of hell.
1: Oh, yeah. The well, bottom of the well. Now, now I'm up, I've got, I'm building my beautiful garden with my broken frog, bless him, um, my broken husband, my broken self. But we may be bent around the edges, but
0: we're still here. And life has never been better, has it? Correct, correct. And Don't you we wish gonna... you could just give what you have
1: to somebody right and I have to admit that if I was to um, go now, and I'm fully accepting of that kind of thing, I mean, I have no fear of it. Before, I was ready to go because I felt dead. Now, if I went, I would go with a happy heart because um, my life is in a good place. My children can know that, um oh, yeah, mom was a good woman. She was this, that, and the other. I mean, someone said to me once, what do you want your kids to think of you? I just want my kids to love me and not have a, a bad thought saying, oh, my mom was an alcoholic. Nanny stunk of drink, that kind of thing. So, no, well, if that, I go that, now, I go That's not happy happen heart. now. Yeah. No, no, that's nope. not going
0: I don't even romanticize it really. Um, because you're giving back now. Yeah. And you know what? I can see you being the person because you know a lot of people say I don't want to be that person that's in that been sitting in that same chair for 26 years in that AA meeting. They're looking at the wrong side of the coin, aren't they? Yeah. Because that, that person like isn't there because they've got to be there it's because they found out the magic of sobriety they're giving back they yeah. want to be in that chair they're not stuck there they want to be there and i just realized that the other day and I, it, i'm like holy shit it was like a that it was a huge uh light bulb moment for me yep and um, that's
1: the joy of this there are so many of them now you know like the hold on that I'm not going to react to that right now. I'm going to step back and think about it. That is huge for me, you know, just not reacting.
0: I'm still working on that.
1: (laughs) You're doing a grand job. You're doing a grand job. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, um, Polly, thank you very much. You're welcome. Time has passed. We could probably just keep going and going. And uh, I'm glad to see you doing so well and that you're alive and you and you little brother and you i am so everybody we're gonna wrap this up thank you all for listening to the sober down podcast let's jump on that sober train and a ride and do what polly and blue did dump the poison down the sink correct thank you all very much hello Sobertown. welcome to the Sobertown podcast let's jump on that sober train and ride right into the incredible wonderful world of sobriety today we're going to do off the cuff with polly and uh we're going to be talking about a couple things that we've been talking about as far as what we want to do with the podcast Hello, Polly. Hello, Drifter. So, we've been kind of chatting a little bit about doing a couple things with you on the podcast. Yes. And you're really going to be helping me out a lot.
1: Yes, and I'm getting quite excited
0: and nervous. You know what? It's exciting. This podcast, I feel my soul is being restored. Happiness. Happiness. It is, um, but you know, we are doing the off the cuff too. So let's first thing let's do um, and a kind of a follow-up because that's what we want to do with, we, that we're going to be doing with the podcast. We want to do some follow-ups with people that have um, told their story because um, it's affecting them too. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> Not only is it helping others who can relate, it's helping the person tell the story. So did let's follow up with you right now. Did yes it help you? Did telling the story help you?
1: What I found after the story, I was on a high. Um, I was so upbeat because I'd shared it and that stayed like that for Like thirty six hours, I was just so fired up after doing it. Then all of a sudden, I had an adrenaline crash. Because sharing your story is, in some parts, scary and freeing because you're putting it out there. And when you face your fear, and it was the fear of letting people know my life, but when you face your fear, the fear becomes less.
0: So it's you were vulnerable. Yes. And yeah. you had a vulnerab- vulnerability hangover.
1: Yes. Um, like I say, I was high after the interview, and then all of a sudden a crash. And it slowly over a, a, another 36-hour period, I went down in that I felt emotionally empty, like I'd given so much. And I didn't think I could give to anything else for the time being. I need to refill the tank.
0: Kind of wears you out, huh? Yeah, emotional exhaustion. It does, and not and not to mention that you have so many things going.
1: On yeah, and al- yeah, also probably that's why I stayed high a lot longer because I stayed so busy I didn't notice at first. But then last night, uh, my head was going buzzing. Um, I couldn't rest properly, and I think some of it is coming down. I was revisiting what I'd been talking about and becoming emotional um almost sad really for what the way my life had been and acceptance i think Yeah, because
0: all of a sudden you revisited all that yeah and then i just heard you say something that you didn't say before that you realized that you were mad at um your ex when he left even though he died
1: uh yeah my my first husband died and um, I was, I was angry that he'd left me, and yet he had no control over that. But I was still angry that he'd left me. All of a sudden, I'm angry that he left me. Where did that come from? You know, it it's from revisiting things, like you say, and it brings up things that you didn't realize you'd felt at the time. So the anger at him leaving was, in some ways unrealistic, because he had no control over dying, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it was an emotion that needed to come
0: out. You know, just saying that, with prior, you know, on IAS, I've made some some posts. And um, when you really think things through and you put them out there, I've had a lot of uh, vulnerability hangovers on IAS, just writing it out. And so it's. I think it's even a little bit more on you when you're talking it out.
1: Yes, um, because when you're vocalizing, I think is so much more than um, just typing words, because when you vocalize, you express the emotion, even though you're expressing the emotion in words. I don't think people can see the emotion that you're, they may not be able to feel if I don't think this makes sense in some ways. I don't know that they can feel that emotion. Um in the words you're putting down. Um, like even now I'm I get quite tearful today because I just feel exhausted from it. And it's making me emotionally tearful.
0: Well then hopefully after you share you'll be high again. And then 36 hours from now, we'll grab you again. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, We're going to take you on a roller coaster ride. Yeah, you are indeed.
1: Um, in, in some ways, this is this is great because this is different to the first podcast we did where, you, where I shared my story. This is going to be me giving back, which is like you say, good for the soul. It, it feeds your soul. It does, it does feed your inner self. So I am looking forward
0: to it. Yeah, so you're gonna be helping uh, do follow-ups like you're doing now. Then you're gonna be helping doing off the cuffs that we made up. Yeah. So then we just get more um, material out there for everybody to help. We get more ideas. We get to hear more people. And I just think it's a, a, a really, it's exciting. It's growing.
1: Yeah, also the follow-ups can give us an idea of how people are managing at their different stages of sobriety.
0: Like we're doing with Blue. Yes. We're specifically going to be following up with her every two weeks now. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. Um, And also, um, I'm looking forward to uh, people who are further along, further into sobriety to find out how, when the first blush of sobriety is sort of like anything you do, you're enthusiastic and what it's like when the first blush wears off and you start to think about how you're going to face things in the, in the real
0: world. Is that blush the pink cloud? Yes, I would think so.
1: The rose colored glasses, things like that. I think because with a lot of us, we've been in lockdown. And there's a certain amount of fear of going out into Especially the real world. Especially
0: in the UK. I think there's yeah. a lot mm-hmm. on that, over that way. There's, everybody's yeah. coming out, a lot of fear. So <clears throat> I'm excited about this. that you to get this going. Um, and who knows, maybe we can, I mean, it's me and you, uh, who knows how many people that we can get out there to talk to other people because- Everybody can get along with others, you know, and somebody may want to do this too. So however big this podcast gets, I'm, I'm excited.
1: Me too. Um, and I think if we can just help one person. Yes. You know, it means everything. If someone just listens and hears, because we can spite words, we can say what we've done, but unless someone is willing to hear
0: then you know
1: they're not going to get the message we need people to hear
0: well i think we're winning i really think we're winning there's a lot of people i'm just saying look at last mother's day yeah how many mothers were sober with all the shit going on in the world they were sober last mother's day in the uk which Um, is different than america
1: yeah it was uk mother's day last sunday and there were so many sober mothers And in May this year, in the U.S., there are going to be so many sober mothers because they are beginning to realize that life is good in sobriety. Um, It's great. Yeah, it is. But coping with the day-to-day issues that moms, wives have to cope with is much easier without a hangover.
0: And maybe... um with doing some of these off the cuffs, those are because the topics are unlimited, unlimited.
1: It's like you said, it's
0: fluid. Yeah. So whatever, whatever happens, whatever the topic may be, that topic may help Mm some. That's it. And
1: when we get down into it, a lot of us are the same. We are fighting a demon. It's the same demon for
0: all of us. It's the same demon. It's the same monsters marketing the shit to us. Yes. There's a um, whole lot out there. Women us. are
1: being heavily marketed.
0: They are. They are. They want you drinking your wine everywhere. And they yes, don't even um, care if it's in the car with your kids. They don't just, they'd want the money. They don't give a shit about you. They don't care about your kids. They want the money. And there is, um, when you go to the
1: Quit Lits how many of those quit lit books are by women to help women, which just goes to show that there is a huge female community out there fighting for sobriety. Yes, um, and it's it's the way I think we're made to feel sometimes due to uh, advertising.
0: Well, yeah, not only subliminally, bl- subliminally, yeah, but right, right in your face. Yes so well then let's do this um anybody out there that's listening um we'll get your email address up too in the credits that you want to put up we'll put those your email address up there and then of course you already know a lot of ladies that um want to do a the uh, off the cuff with you so let's get this going I'm excited.
1: Yeah, I'm excited too. And if you can hear the sirens going off, it's just the usual test. There's not a hurricane or a tornado going on around me.
0: (laughs) You got a good microphone. I can't even hear it. Okay. Or your house. Send me the link. Okay. I will link for which link. Where you bought the microphone. Oh, oh, the micro. Yeah. I won't even say it, but, um, but I will send you the link. <laughs> <laughs> but your microphone off your computer sounds really good. I can't hear the sirens behind you. Good. I mean, Anoid I mean, I mean, tone, tone deaf too. So I don't know. So yeah. thank you all for listening today to Polly and myself uh, on off the cuff. And we're going to get this going, the follow-up and off yes. the cuff. Yes. So jump on that sober train and let's ride right into the incredible, incredible, wonderful world of sobriety. And let's do what Polly and Blue did. Let's pour the poison down the sink. Thank you, Polly.
1: Thank you, Drifter.